Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Copcast podcast for Cop Left. And an amazing win at Anfield under the lights on Saturday evening. The Reds come out 3-1 winners and it's another victory against a top top four rival. Uh, joining me to discuss this latest uh, good performance on the roller coaster of the season we've been on and to look ahead to the Burnley game, I've got three top guests. Joining me again after last week's stint, I've got David Dunning in Belfast. How are you doing, Dave? Yes, doing well. Thanks, Neil. How are you? Yeah, dead on. You can't. Everything's well with the world when you win at the weekend, like, isn't it? Yes, it just makes everything bright and shiny, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. It does. Um, alongside him uh, and another voice from last week, it's uh, Johnny Henderson. How are you doing, Johnny? I'm good now. I'm good. Predicted a draw, so I was happy with uh, happy to be wrong. Nice. So it was a wee bonus. It was a wee bonus. Although watching fucking Arsenal tonight, I can't believe we only predicted a draw because they are <laughs> fucking shite. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, we're recording this as Arsenal have just uh, finished getting humped at home by one by Bayern, so uh, that's why that pops in. And alongside Johnny and Dave joining us for the second time in not that many weeks, it's Umar Naz in London. How are you doing, Ums? Yeah, good, thanks. Yeah, as the you've already said, it's all um, nice after a win, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, everything settles down a bit, and the, the clouds part, and uh, the blue sky comes through. Yeah, everything's lovely. Sunshine, yeah. <laughs> that could be spring as well. Like you never know. Okay, so we're gonna, well, yeah, we're gonna get straight into it. Um, obviously, it was a an excellent performance at the weekend, uh, Saturday night, Anfield. We've been very good at home this season, anyway. Um, but after uh, a jittery month, or Maybe that's an understatement. After a poor six weeks or so, it's certainly nice to see a performance like that again. So, uh, what did you make of it, Dave? I'll come to you first because you were there. Uh, yeah, what did you make of the game? What was the atmosphere like, and how was it for you? Like, yeah, I think um, everybody seemed pretty confident before the game. It was pretty relaxed, but you know, when when the the Arsenal goal went in, as the game went on, you could sense that anxiety begin to creep in and I think that was more so to do with the the previous couple of months than than the how the match had gone itself. Um so so when the when the third goal went in, huge eruption and I think that goal had been celebrated more so than than most goals this season. Um but all in all really really good. Really entertaining, really easy on the eye, and some some big performances in there as well. Um, you know, I think Lalana probably the standout. Um, he was right at the top of his game. Um, is is defending from the from from the front. Um, is the timing of his pressing was absolutely spot on, putting us on the front foot and, and putting us on the counter attacks, and then. He's winning, he's winning tackles in the middle of the park. He's shutting it down at, at the, one end of the pitch. And then, you know, at the other end of the pitch, he's, he's heading the, heading the ball out for, for a corner at the front post. And he just seemed to be absolutely everywhere. And then that, you know, culminated in his, his final contribution, which was the, the wonderful break and, and turn and pirouette and then gorgeous pass to, to set away for, for Wijnaldum's goal. So, 
Um, all in all, I think you know, Sonny's right. The only disappointment was we, we didn't stick all of our chances away because um, we were on top form and, and I think it could have been could have been five, six, should have been three at half time. Um, and I think had it been three nil at half time, we really could have kicked on from there in the goal scoring stakes. But um, all in all, not really much to not really much to be upset about. Um, yeah, and I'm just getting to the point where I'm I'm on the road to recovery now. Excellent. Well, it must have been it must have been a good time then, and of course it would have been a big night after that anyway. Um, so, Johnny, uh, Dave touches on a, a good few points there. I mean, obviously, Lalana had a had a, a very good game. Particularly, the the pass at the end was was sensational. We created a lot of chances as well, as was touched on and you mentioned earlier pre pod that um, you know we didn't take all our chances. So, uh, this I mean, for me, this is probably as good, if not a better, performance uh, as against uh, Spurs. And I wonder. The midfield seemed to function a lot better. The, the team seemed to function much better as a unit. Anything, any pointers for why that is? Or, uh, and what did you make of the game itself? What were your thoughts on it? I think the midfield was a big factor. I think Emery Chan in particular, he had a really good game. And I think a lot of us are fans of, of Emery Chan. Um, maybe not as big a fans uh, as Carly is <laughs> of Emery Chan. Either, we have to be honest, he's... he's He's been, he's, he's had fits and starts this season, you know, which I expect from a young player, but he was really good. And I think if a, a lot of people were commenting on the fact that he, he, he did a couple of snidey sort of fouls as well, you know, that one where he took out, um, Walcott in particular. I mean, that, that's good. That's what you want to see in that position. And I seen Fabregas last night take a, a yellow card like that for Chelsea. We don't do near enough of that. He had a really good game, gave us a good platform. But I, I think the thing that stood out for me about the game was, and I know Dave had said it last week as well, the funny thing about Liverpool is um, if you're a fan of betting in play in matches, you can probably tell how Liverpool are going to do in a game in the first 10 minutes. You know, in the first 10 minutes, if Liverpool fly out of the traps and they're on it and their passing's nice and crisp and they're starting to get the fullbacks wide and they're moving the ball into the channels, you can pretty much tell they're going to play well. Uh, and that's the way it was uh, on, on Saturday evening. They, they just showed up. So the, when they start like that, you, you can always be pretty com- confident. You know, when you see it's in a, in a lot of the games where we've been absolutely shocking, like, like, like Leicester, for example, is the obvious one. We just don't start that well. So, yeah, I think the midfield were on it. The, the team were on it. And I think as well, we've got to take into account the opposition and, we know that teams that come out and play open against us and give us a chance, you know, we always fancy ourselves. Teams that try to play football against us, teams that think, you know, that want to really come out and, and play and, and try and play football and beat us. I don't think it's a coincidence that we play really well against those sides, the top sides, because we can press and we can win the ball in dangerous areas. And we just done that a few times. And, you know, if you look at that first goal, it was, it was crazy. You know, one big boot down the pitch from Manulay, Koscielny's, just caught under the ball, doesn't deal with it. There's a couple of headers, and we're we're straight in there. And and, and Firmino's putting it in the net. So I, I think it's a combination. That midfield was good, no doubt about it. When Alden was super again, you know, it just um would just like him to show up more in the away in the away games. He seems to be turning it on a lot recently at home. Chan was good. Lalana had a great game, as Dave said. Uh, 
and the opposition played into our hands. And it's just one of them things. We're, we're a bit Jekyll and Hyde on it. And obviously the question is, will we do it? What looks on paper a far easier game against Burnley uh, coming at the weekend? But no, it was good, mate. It was it, it was really good. Um, but obviously, given what's happened the last couple of months, we would like to see this level of performance sustained against different op- types of opposition and away from home as well. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I thought Emery Cham was was excellent. Um, he has his detractors, but I thought he actually had quite a good game against Leicester as well in a in a team that that really didn't play well collectively that that evening. So what about what about you? What did you uh, take from the game? And um, yeah, who, who what were your standout moments? And and uh, yeah, anything else you've got to say on it? Well, I think the guys have pretty much covered it, but I remember after the Leicester game, I just felt like I didn't care anymore and I wouldn't care if we'd beat Arsenal 5-0 or 6-0 or whatever because I was so depressed at how we kept just going a step forward and two steps back and it just didn't seem like it, it was having any benefit. So I remember thinking that, but as kickoff approached, I realised that I did care really. It was just, you know, just the sort of... Um, it's a bit of bravado. Yeah, just, you know, just saying I don't care, but really I did. But, um, and, you know, although I wasn't sort of kind of too fussed, I think, remember when we scored the first goal, I was like, oh, okay, all right, we've scored. We'll see, we'll see, we'll carry on. But, um, yeah, we just kept getting better and better and it all worked out in the end. But yeah, I think the guys have touched on it. Lalana was so good in that first, for that, for, sorry, for that last goal. I didn't realise what he was doing at first. I was like, what is he doing? And then I realised later when we watched the replay that Origi needed to sort himself out for his offside, but I thought that was brilliant. Um, mentioned Emre Chan. I think a lot of people were apprehensive with him starting um, because, uh, he's, as John said, he's been criticised a bit lately about you know being a bit slow on the ball and, and sort of playing Doing, trying to do a bit too much sometimes, maybe just not focusing on what he's supposed to be doing in that sort of defensive midfield role when Hendo's not playing. Um, but he did really well there. And, you know, again, the kind of cynical fouls that John's mentioned that we need so much more of at Liverpool. I just think we're a bunch of nice guys and it just doesn't work. When you want to win things, you need to be a bit, bit of a bastard. Um, was he, was he so, yeah. To stay I, on, do you think? No, I think he was fine. I think that yeah. second tackle was just a bit of a mishmash, wasn't it, with him yeah. and Matip and yeah. I thought he was quite who, lucky, whoever else. To be honest, like, but the rest. Yeah, maybe, the rest maybe. But uh, yeah, I agree. Maybe. Great game. I think him rolling around on the floor again. I think that was to detract from yeah. the, um, yeah. possibly from the referee giving him uh, maybe a, a second yellow, which was another good move from him. So as um, I hope other players learn from that as well, because although. You know, a lot of people maybe don't think it's very fair. You do need it, and it's not against the rules or anything. Okay, maybe it's a bit, it's a bit cheeky, and you shouldn't do it. But everyone does it, and we we need that kind of thing in our game. We can't just sometimes you need to have a be a little bit clever off the ball as well, and do certain things that maybe you shouldn't do. But yeah, I think he did really well. Our defenders were really good as well. Clavan for Lucas was the obvious choice. I think I mentioned it on our last pod, or maybe it was another one I did, but um. I didn't quite know why Lucas was playing against Leicester when Clavan was available. I'm just assuming he wasn't 100% fit after his illness, but uh, made sense for him to come back in now. And I think him and Matip did really well. Both of them aren't pacey. I think they sort of read the game a lot better. And if you do that, then you don't need to, to have the recovery pace because you're kind of doing the job well in the first place. So that was good. Mignolet did really well, kept us in the game. I think it was at 2-0 when he made that amazing save 
So everything was really good. Yeah, yeah the attack was flowing. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, the header. Uh, I think yeah, yeah, the attack was flowing like it did last year. And, yeah, it was just all good. And I just hope they can keep this going because it's really pissing me off now because we keep doing it one week and the next week we're utter shit again. So I'm hoping this one's going to, you know, kick on from here. But I remember saying that after Spurs. So just just going to take it a game at a time, (laughs) see what happens. We've been here before. Got serious trust issues with Liverpool at the moment. They need to <laughs> they need to sort themselves out. Yeah, well, absolutely. But I mean, it, it was a it was a good performance, and we mentioned there uh, earlier about about kind of uh, the Jekyll and Hyde performances and, and so on. I mean, Dave, before the game, you you mentioned that it was a fairly confident moon. Was, was any anybody on the pod actually worried that we? we wouldn't at least take a point in this game. I don't think anybody in world football, except maybe Charlie Nicholas, would have thought that that Arsenal were going to win that match. Um, you know, it, they're at their worst at the minute. You know, that's after tonight, I think they've only won two of their last seven matches or something like that. Um, they're in a really horrible run of form. And they've always had, they've been, they've been, They've been as consistent as a team could ever be over the last um, probably seven or eight years where they consistently beat the bottom 14, 15 teams home and away and they struggle against the teams in and around them, which ultimately is the difference in them winning the league um, and, and finishing third or fourth or occasionally second. So, you know, that's, that's form. And then with our form against against the the top six this year, which is incomparable to anybody else's. You know, on, on based on that, it was it couldn't have gone any other way, could it? Really? But, you know, looking at Arsenal's consistencies being their weakness, you're right, it's our inconsistencies which are our weakness. And this just seems to be the latest in a line of hurdles that we've had to jump over in the last few years. You know, it's gone from hitting the post and the crossbar too much under under Kenny. It's gone from drawn too many games to not being able to sustain a home record to conceding far too many goals to now this weird one of of not being able to to put in convincing performances against teams which on paper we should go out and and handily put away and, and come away with three points with with without getting out of second or third gear. So it's a worry, and I think that's what everybody was was talking about. This is this is the reverse of of what reality should look like, I suppose, where you should We're be in a parallel playing, universe here. It basically, <laughs> basically, yeah, you should be playing Burnley at home. This week and thinking, right, happy days should come away with a, with a comfortable win. And then next week's the big one against Arsenal, top four rival, big side. And it's the complete opposite where we're going to the Arsenal game thinking, yep, happy days, three points, but let's worry about the team that have got two points, that have come away with two points away from home all season. And I think scored three goals away from home all season. So that, is just absolutely um, absurd in itself, the fact that we're thinking like that. And it, there's no logic to it at all. So 
there's nothing to say. We are a good side. We're a really good side. And we've shown at numerous different points in this season how good a side we can be when we have everybody fit and firing and on form. So we have, we have to get over this hurdle sooner or later. And I'm hoping that it's going to be sooner. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one that you use those kind of words um, that you'd expect to beat, you know, a rival or, or someone like Arsenal. And, and I did too. I'd expect to beat an Arsenal at home because of all the reasons that were given there. But um, there have been times in the past, I mean, I do remember under Rafa thinking, you know, I just want to play Man United every week. <laughs> or I just want to play Chelsea at home because I know that we'll beat them. And you know you were going away and losing losing to Stoke and fucking uh, Sunderland and fucking Kenwin Jones was scoring against you and stuff. <laughs> so you were drawn every game though, Neil, weren't you? You oh, were drawn. I think we lost a. I think we lost a couple away at Sunderland. It was either Sunderland or Stoke. Whoever Kenwin Jones played for, I'm sure he scored a couple of winners against us. But yeah, I know. I know. It's, you're you're um, you're absolutely right. We drew a lot of games with, uh, under Rafa at. Games that we shouldn't have dropped points in, but it was kind of a a similar a similar sort of idea. And the performance against I know the performance against Tottenham was good, but that was three weeks ago or longer now. And then we had that massive break to Leicester, and you hit them. And I mean, there's no getting away from it. the performance at Leicester wasn't good, but at the same time, you hit them at the worst possible time in the season. I would say like to to actually play them, and they they put in a performance. And they go on and do that then uh, four days later and they put two wins back to back. Um, so, I mean, we picked it up again. We played against Arsenal. Is, is it, I suppose what I'm getting at here is, is this just another game? Is it just another situation where we say, oh, the opposition played into our hands. We, uh, they didn't play very well. We turned up. Everything went well for us. So we've got the three points, but doesn't really mean anything. Uh, we'll repeat the same pattern at endum, like we'll feel against the smaller teams, or is, is, is this a, a bit different? Can you say, well, you know, it's the second, second home game in a row that we've really, really played well. Maybe we played Leicester at the wrong time after a big break and they, they just sacked their manager and so on and, and whatever. Um, so is this something worth getting more excited about or is this just going to be another kind of pattern repeating? What do, what do you make of Adams? What do you think? I'm hoping the Leicester game had, did have a lot to do with, like you just said, the manager being sacked and then sort of being galvanized and playing out of their skin a bit. I mean, we were poor, but they kind of, from that f- first minute, you knew that Leicester were on a mission. Um, so yeah, I mean, it could be seen that way. I mean, it, we can only really wait and see what happens next week. Mm. I mean, I know we're at home and a lot of people are saying, no, it's a, it's a home game and we will beat them, but you know, we have lost. I know we haven't lost many, but we did lose to Swansea, which was really disappointing. But it was only just. So I'm hoping. Oh, I said this before on a pod. <laughs> I'm hoping we could we can turn it around from here. And um, it's interesting. These sort of big teams do play into our hands. And I, I tweeted the other day, and I'm not sure if I'm maybe barking up the wrong tree or what it is, but these so-called top managers have kind of got their tactics all wrong against us, whereas the lesser managers know exactly what to do. I mean, it might not be the way that the, the top managers like to play and it might be just be them being stubborn and, you know, OK, this is how we're going to play and that's it. But the, the, the smaller teams are getting it right against us. And I think that a lot of credit has to go to them. OK, you know, they, they're just defending and it's not very 
you could call it anti-football or whatever you want to call it, but it's getting the job done and they're getting the results. And at the end of the day, that's what football's about. It's about getting results, no matter how how you do it. And it's the same with Liverpool. Sometimes we wonder, should we change our tactics against these smaller teams? Because we just try and attack and then they break and on the counter and, and that's how we've lost a couple of games against them. So, yeah, I think, you know, that's really, uh, that was interesting to me that the top guys, like I remember after the Spurs game thinking, well, Pochettino really got it all wrong. And okay, we only beat City by a single goal, but still, you know, the, the, the kind of football these teams play really suits us. But yeah, I'm hoping it's gonna it's gonna turn. Um, like I said, it, we're gonna have to wait until Sunday and see. We just can't. You can't predict. I mean, what idiot would predict a result against um, against Burnley on a Sunday? I, I wouldn't have a clue how it's gonna go. Yeah, everyone's been getting it wrong a lot recently. I remember predicting we'd beat Leicester three one and we lost three one. And I was thinking that Arsenal would beat beat us because I was thinking, how are we gonna get? It's just the, the performance against Leicester was so sort of psychologically damaging. I thought, oh god, this is just this is gonna be really bad, and um, Arsenal are gonna uh, tear us apart. But it was just the complete opposite. You just you really don't know what you're gonna get with Liverpool at the moment. It's just it's an odd odd situation to be in right now. I think we we all have the same sort of. Um... Same sort of worries and the same same sort of uh, outlook on things at the moment. I mean, it was it was a, an excellent performance over the weekend, and I wanted just to touch on on one or two points that uh, haven't been, or one or two players maybe that haven't been mentioned just before we kind of move on wholeheartedly to the to the Burnley thing. Sort of, we we're talking about recovery there a moment ago, and Divogarizzi is a player who. Uh, hasn't had the best of times, shall we say, since maybe end of November, beginning of December. Um, I thought he, he had a little cameo at the end, managed to hit the post pretty unluckily and then, uh, was heavily involved, obviously, in the, th- in the third goal. Uh, it was a fantastic ball from Lalana, but I mean, I thought RG did really well to come back into an onside position, bend his run and then, and then have the presence of mind and make the break and make the pass. So what did you make of, of Divi then, John? He done well. I mean, he's he since that game at Bournemouth when he went round the keeper from a ridiculous angle and he did a great finish. It's almost like the the team's decline has mirrored him since that goal when when Bournemouth came back um, and beat us four three. We've just never looked right. Yeah. So so it's it's certainly good to have him back in it. But just going back there, like you know, Ems and 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 Dave there offering thoughts and there's no logic to it and we're so hard to predict and. On that, my, my take on that is fundamentally the thing that makes really top players, really top players is being able to perform consistently. And that's perform consistently in the big games and also to deliver in the, in the games against the teams that, are, that, that aren't really at your level and teams that would maybe have at best two or three players make it into our first 11 show up too often and beat us. There's underlying reasons behind it. We're defensively not good enough. I think we all agree that our defensive midfield position's still weak. We don't really, we don't have a world class player there. We've got, we're still weak at fullback. We're, we're weak at centre back. So fundamentally, we've got defensive issues. And also, just put simply, I mean, this has been a recurring thing for such a long time now. I mean, I remember it was in 1997, and that, that's going back 20 years. But I remember we lost a game at home to. The Coventry when we were right in the middle of a title. So losing to teams like this, and you mentioned Kenwin Jones, but it's been this kind of shite for ages. And I think to be honest, when you 
when you start to think about it, we keep these players every so often will do will give you something like Man City away last season where you win four one, or they'll give you Dortmund at home, you know, where we we go and we beat Dortmund in an unbelievable game at Anfield, and these players can lift themselves. But fundamentally, the issue is that really top players consistently. They'll batter teams. They'll put teams away four and five nil, and you'll see that with Chelsea when they get ahead of steam. But they're able to dog it out, and they'll defend well. They'll do the basics. They won't. They won't give teams goals. I think every team goes into a game with Liverpool, be they you know freaking Hull or whatever, and they'll think we, we do so. our job and sit. Yeah. yeah, of course. They know that what sooner or later will give them a job. So you know we'll give them a goal, and I think that's where fundamentally we give teams that hope. And it's okay talking about one mad season. And it is, this season's a real, it's really polarised a lot of the, the, the problems because we're so, we're the best on the top six league table, which is usually a barometer of a team that won the league. Yeah, we're absolute tripe against teams that are garbage. Premier League's a poor league. You've seen that with, you know, time and time again in Europe this season. You've seen it with Arsenal tonight getting beat 10 2, for fuck's sake. You know, it's, this isn't a, this isn't a great, a great league. And I think there, there comes a point where you've got to say, these players might give us times like that, but fundamentally these players, a lot of them aren't good enough because it's no good being able to turn it on in a big game at Anfield under the lights in Europe and not be able then to show up away at Hull and, and put on a performance and get your three points and at Leicester and places like, you know, and places like that when you're playing teams that are down in the doldrums. And I think fundamentally that's personnel. And we need stronger players with stronger personalities and more character. And I just wanted to say that because I know you were talking about it, and I've given it a lot of a lot of thought. But I think we we just get attached to players on the basis of one or two big performances, and really, there's a lot of guys in this team and in this squad that we've said many times they've never won anything, and they're certainly not living up to what it, what it, what, it, what they need to do to play for Liverpool. So sorry, I know you just asked me about Origi, but I had to get that right. off my fucking I had to get that off my fucking chest because it's been annoying me. Um, and I think that's fundamentally, you know, what it comes down to. But as you say, going back to him, yeah, taking a, a roundabout way to come back to Origi, but that was really, he was really good. And I hope he finishes the season strong now because when he's on it, he's a big weapon. And his, you know, his goal scoring ratio earlier in the season was ridiculous for a player his age. So it'd be lovely to think he's, especially with Sturridge showing no signs of becoming consistently fit, he'd be a handy weapon to have. Um, if he could bang in a few goals in the runner. Yeah, I mean that's I mean that's really why I wanted to touch on him because uh he is one that can look incredibly promising. I mean he's never he hasn't ever looked like a world beater yet, but he's twenty one, I think. Given his, his rel- relatively small number of, of minutes that he's actually actually played. I mean I think his his goal scoring stats are, are pretty uh pretty impressive. Did he, did he have some- did he have something like 12 goals or 13 goals in 14 games earlier in the season? He really did. He did. Yeah. It, it's something really, really he played, impressive considering yeah. his minutes, didn't he? Played incredibly well. Uh, he scored, well, he wasn't actually playing that well, to be fair, but he was scoring goals. He scored six in six, I think, at one point. He wasn't getting many games and he hasn't had a, a, a high number of minutes. So his, his ratios are, are pretty impressive. And I was just, you know, I'm... With Sturridge, very unlikely to be around next season. He's he's someone that I'm interested in seeing how, what development we can get for him. And I was a bit kind of disappointed that he dropped off, but it's good to see him uh, see him back. 
So I want to come to you then, Dave, on, on, on what Johnny's just said. And I suppose it's something we've been talking about for quite a long time, either directly or indirectly, uh, on the pod and in the WhatsApp group and in general amongst the wider fan base, is are these players good enough? Will they ever deliver the consistency? Are some good enough and some not? Uh, and what do you see, how, how do you see that? Um, are there some that just definitely will, will not be able to produce? I think Klopp put it perfectly during the week, didn't he? Uh, when he said that, um, you know, after, after the Leicester game, you'll say that we need to, we need to replace the whole squad. And after the Arsenal game, you'll say that we don't need to buy anybody. When in actual fact, the truth lies somewhere in between. And yeah, the truth does lie somewhere in between. We've got some, some players on our, our side that are, have the potential to be world class. You know, Mane has, you know, his, his performances and his work rate and his, his ability to beat him out and his numbers as well this season. You know, that's 12 goals from, from, from the right of midfield and he was away at the African Nations Cup. Yeah, he's been so, you know, part. that that's 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 frightening, you know, for a player that's not a centre forward. And you probably look and you probably look at the at the goal scoring charts and say that that's probably the highest goal scoring ratio in the Premier League for a player that isn't playing centre forward behind maybe probably Kane, Costa, Aguero, Sanchez and I don't know who else. You know, Lalana has proven that he can be that player. Um I think Wijnaldum is certainly someone who I believe, um, can play a big part in this, in the side. And then you've, obviously you've got Coutinho there. You've Matip who we, we need to give more time. But there's, there's ultimately areas that, that need to be upgraded. And we've, we've, we've fucking talked this to death, don't we? And, you know, yep, we need a left side of centre back. We need a left back. We'd like another midfielder. We'd like a, we'd like maybe a number nine and probably another wide forward. And some people might say we need another centre back and some people might say we need a goalkeeper. And we're probably not going to get all of those players. So you need to not start thinking about it. It's the whole team now. <laughs> well, you know what I mean though. It's, 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 yeah, you're no, talking, I know, I know. you know, you're talking, do you want an upgrade on Firmino? You need, you need, and you're talking about, you're talking about players who can come in and not weaken the side when you lose Coutinho for eight weeks, when you lose Mane for four weeks. You don't want, you know, Shay Ojo's coming in there because it, it's detracting too much from the side, particularly when you lose two, three, four. We have been unlucky with, with injuries this year. If you look at the likes of how Chelsea have, have managed through the season with practically unscathed. But I think the, the key point that Johnny picked on, and I think he's a hundred percent, and I think I said it last week as well, is, we need to buy big personalities. We need to buy winners um, and leaders in in key positions in the pitch. And that, for me, in the transfer market, should be the priority. Because if you even go out and buy three or four players like that, you can get away with having players on your side like Jordan Henderson and whichever goalkeeper we have and Joel Maddock and Nathaniel Klein and players like that. Because you will have... Look, look at where United are with Ibrahimovic. They'd be fucking lost without him. And we'll see how they cope in the next three matches after his suspension. But I think that will be a good barometer of, of whether I'm, I'm speaking any sense or not. But the, he's been absolutely key to them this season. And he's one man with a huge personality who is, has obviously been world class. And he's, he's won 
I think every season, and he went through that mad spell where he won a, a league title nine oh, really? years in a row. Like it's for nine consecutive seasons with like four or five different teams. So I think that's our key priority in the summer. But there are players there who are good enough, a hundred percent. But for me, there's not enough. There's not enough personalities and winners and world class players in that team in key positions. So let's hope that that's addressed in the summer, and let's see what this this ownership. Let's see what their ambitions actually are. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think we've we've sort of touched on that uh, last week uh, uh, about how big of a, a summer it is for the owners and and for the club in general. Um, but I think we're we're sort of on a well, obviously it's a much more positive pod this week because we won a game, and last week we were on a right downer after after the lesser results. So it is. I mean, again, it's somewhere in between, as as Klopp said, as as spitting image made famous with Paddy Ashdown. Like it's somewhere in between. Where do we go then from here, Rums? We've got we're going to come to Burnley now, and we, we've got them at the weekend. Um, so they played against Swansea away uh, last weekend. They lost in the ninety-second minute. Uh, they were quite aggrieved because the manager and uh, a couple of pundits felt that it was a push by Llorente, Um to get the winning goal. Having said that, they were heavily outplayed. In the first half, I think Swansea hit the frame of the goal three or four times. Um, Burnley were given a, a penalty uh, when their own forward handled the ball in the Swansea area to, to give them an equaliser. Um, they picked up, I think, two points away from home all season. I think, what do you say, Dave? They've only scored three goals away from home all season? I think it was three before the weekend there. And yeah, just, you just reminded me of that penalty. It was absolutely <laughs> one of the worst decisions I've seen in ages. Absolutely farcical it was. I mean, it was so funny. It was the Swansea the... players, the Swansea players were all claiming for handball as well. And then he gave the penalty. It's like, people say the referees are sometimes, sometimes influenced by like the players' reactions. And I'm like, how could you not have been influenced by that? Practically every Swansea player in the penalty area claimed for it. And Sam Bokes was holding his head in his hands. It was crazy. Yeah, anyway, it yeah, nice. I think, I think three nice. goals before, before Saturday there. Yeah. So, man, five away from home all season. One of them was a, was a, an absolutely ridiculous, uh, penalty. Yeah. I mean, I thought they say that, you know, they always give you that line. If, if, if you, if you don't see it, you can't give anything. So, he clearly didn't see what happened there, and he's, he's given a penalty anyway. But but sure, we'll we'll move on from that. So um, they're not very good away from home. Um, it's basically the long and short of this. We have been very good at home. You, you referenced the Swansea game earlier, but that was our only league defeat of the season at Anfield. I believe I'm right in saying that. So that was, a, and even then we came back from two 0 down to two two, and we really kind of threw it away with a shambolic third. Uh, which kind of yeah knocked that one on the head. Uh, so we've only had one defeat at home. They haven't won away from home all season. Surely, surely we can't uh, mess this one up. Well, if you put it like that, no. But um, I don't know. I just I I don't look at any stats or anything like that before a match. I just don't think they mean, mean anything to be honest. Sometimes they just um, they're just well, a bit pointless. This but is true, it's only history. So yeah, so so many times you've had teams that like I said I mentioned earlier you've had teams that haven't won at Anfield for so many years I mean it may not have happened recently okay you like you've said we've only lost once at home and then they've turned up and taken points off us but um I don't know we'll have to wait so, I mean I 
I think we need to sort of beat them really well to just put mm-hmm. to, just to sort of get our deep uh, what do you call it um lay our demons to rest or whatever however you want to say it. I just think we need to to thump them get that confidence back I think that would really help if we could beat them well not just sort of scrape a win although any win is good I mean if you said to me 1-0 I'd, I'd take that all day long but it would be really great if we can like you know yeah, yeah no it would be great if we could put a few past them and you know keep a clean sheet that would be fantastic yeah I, like I said I've got trust issues at the moment and uh, really won't be able to, to tell you anything else apart apart from the fact that I hope we win um, you know, that, like I said, the way you put it, it makes it sound kind of okay, and you know, we we will do it, but um, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a, it's a difficult one because this is the 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 kind of cynic or the, the skeptical, worried fan, and he says, yeah, yeah, this is the kind of. Bananas, they just need to get know. themselves up for the matches like they do for the for the big ones. I mean, we've seen we're unbeaten against the top six, and it's fantastic. But um, we need to have that mentality with these with these games as well. I don't know what it is that stops us apart from obviously the the tactical side and the physical side. I mean, if it's a mental issue, why is it that we can't get ourselves mm. pumped up for these games and you know like go for it like Leicester did against us in the first minute or like we do against these big teams? You know, show in the first few minutes your intent what it is you want to do, go in for those tackles, you know, press high. And, you, and and John was so right earlier when he said that you can tell in the Leicester game, after 10 minutes, you could tell Liverpool weren't going to win this game. You, you could just tell the way that Leicester had come out for it and Liverpool trying, weren't being able to find any answers. They started stringing a few passes together after 10 minutes, but it's still you could you could see that it wasn't going to happen. So you you can normally tell if they're going to do well after that. So... But I think we need to we need to win convincingly on uh, on Sunday, and that's 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 the only way. And then build on that confidence from there on. Yeah, I mean that. I mean, what you say is right. We we do need to get up for it. And the, the thing about beating the small team, and we don't, we've all spoken about it, and we've kind of fed into it, um, fed fed quite a lot in, into the idea of it. Um, but coming back to October November time, we were playing these these sorts of teams. At home, these sorts of teams, uh, the, the smaller teams at home, and we were putting them to the sword. We were turning up and and destroying them. Um, Johnny, if you think about Hull five uh, one, I think it was. If you think about uh, Watford six uh, one, I think that was. So we 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 have done it against uh, against uh, smaller clubs at home this season. Do you think we can we can do that next week? Do you think we'll actually um, you know this could be a turning point. This could be because. Two home games back to back. This is kind of the, the the payoff from earlier in the season where we began with a lot of away games. Uh, also, we've got rivals that are playing FA Cup games that week, so it's a chance to make up a few points on a couple of teams. So, do you think we can we really kick on and, and have a go at them, or are you also a little bit uh, or a lot of bit worried? I wouldn't say I'm a lot of bit worried. Of course, as, as Dave said earlier, you know, we know. That on on our day we're a very very good side, and if we go out against Burnley and Firmino, Coutinho, Mane, Lalana, and Wijnaldum are all on it, of course we could walk in four or five goals against a team like like Burnley. That that can that can happen. I think earlier in the season, I don't you know you look back at those games now like the Leicester four one and the slaughtering of Hull. Um, Hull were in a bit of free fall at the time, as were Leicester. They weren't playing well. 
but we had confidence. It was early in the season. We were fresh. Um, and to be honest as well, a lot of teams early in the season, there's, there's, there's less at stake earlier in the season, I think, as well. You know, teams aren't fighting for their lives. They came out, those teams are a bit naive. I think, you know, we mightn't like to admit it, but we were a bit of a juggernaut at home until Mourinho's United showed up and basically just came downfield and decided that they were quite happy to take 0-0 from, from the kickoff. And teams had been terrified about playing us up to that point. And when they probably watched that game, they just realised, you know, don't let Liverpool counter-attack you. Play direct, play long, hold your position, give them plenty of the ball, let them go out wide, flood the box with, you know, defensively, put put your, your, your two lines across there, your two lines of five. And that's been a factor. You know, team, teams have seen that and they've obviously realised that the defensive vulnerabilities from set pieces and all are still there. And you've always got a chance of nicking a goal and then when we have to chase the game, you can maybe pick us off again. I would say, you know, being realistic, of course, I expect the win. I mean, we're sort of tongue-in-cheek going, we'll probably lose. Of course, we all expect the win at home to Burnley. They're absolutely awful. They're, 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 they're the worst team in the league away from home. So, of course, we, we should expect the win, and we should expect to score a few goals um, as well. So it is a chance for momentum, of course, but I think we've been so badly stung in the last couple of months that and I know we were talking about it before we came on to record this. You know, you, you can't look at we've only got two games in March. We've only got 11 games left. There's absolutely no point with Liverpool in trying to pick out games where we're going to get points. There's, As Dave says, there's no logic to it. There's no rhyme or reason to it. You just go through the games. We'll take them one game at a time, see how we do. Our rivals, we, we've definitely got the on paper the easiest looking run of, run of games. We know our rivals all have to play each other. We're in a really good position. If we can get anything near our, our form back, we're, we're in a really good position to make top four. But you don't like looking more than one game ahead. And that's a real indictment to these players and the lack of you know how badly the confidence has dipped in them since the turn of the year. Yeah, well, this is it. I mean, it, it's it's that consistency factor, isn't it? And that's why even looking to the next game after after the last game is it, tricky because it has been, you know, all or nothing, like, hasn't it? It's been either a great performance and a good win against a tough team, or it's been a poor performance away from home against whoever it can can be a a smaller team or not even. It has been that up and down. So, how do you see it, um, Dave, going into this one? You got a bit of confidence that we can, uh, or that we will show up and and have a go and put them to the sword a bit like uh, a bit like a Hull or a Watford earlier in the season, or whatever happens that we we can uh, come out with a with uh, the points because Johnny mentioned there United and that was a, a great a great point because they're to my mind they're the only team that has actually managed to come the Anfield and park the bus successfully. This year, uh, they're the only team that's come and, and, uh, really, I mean, West Ham got a draw. They, they didn't really park the bus. Um, Swansea didn't park the bus particularly. They, they got their 3-2 win. Are we gonna, are we gonna have enough to beat Bernie if they do decide to, to use Mourinho's tactics? In a nutshell, yes. Um, we've beaten pretty much everyone at home who's not very good. Basically, apart from Swansea. You know, you look at the you look at the bottom half of the table and, and the teams who have the worst their worst away records. 
you know, Sunderland, we beat at home. Hull, we beat at home. Um, Leicester, we beat at home. Watford, West Brom, we've beaten them all at home. Plus whoever else, we've got the third best home record in the league. And you don't just have the third best home record in the league by winning four games against, you know, Spurs, Arsenal, Chelsea and whoever else. So City. there's City, I don't, them. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you don't get the best home record by just winning those four matches. So we are strong at home. So, you know, make no mistake about that. But there's things we need to do better that we were doing at the start of the season. You know, we need to, we, you know, I'd love to see in the first five minutes somebody just go through somebody. Somebody just hit them a strong, hard, fair challenge and put them up in the air and really set the tone from that perspective. And then I want to see us pressing them high. They give, they, they, see possession more than anybody else in the league. You know, I think Swansea had something like 78% possession of the ball on Saturday. You know, and to a team like Swansea, you know, you can imagine the, the amount of ball that we're going to have. So we need to we need to press them and hide them on the few occasions they do have the ball and force mistake and move the ball quickly. That I think's been the key reason as to why we've been failing as a as a football side because we haven't been moving the ball quickly enough. We haven't been taking one and two touches, but taking two and three and three and four touches. And it slows the play down and it allows them to regroup and it gives them more chance of winning the ball back, whoever you might be playing. So if we can move the ball quickly like we were earlier in the season, and the other thing that we need to do is be smart about preventing stupid free kicks and, and stupid corners because I've seen us concede goals from corners that should never have been corners. I think Milner kicked one out against Hull stupidly and it ended up in a goal and it was, I think, their only shot on target. I think Chan did it at mm. some point as well later on in the season and, and that resulted in another goal. So, you know, it's just being a little bit more intelligent and then, you know, when they do break, having that intelligence that, that, that Johnny and Umar were talking about earlier on, that Chan had on, on Saturday and lifting someone on the halfway line and taking your yellow card because... You know, it's the intelligent thing to do. And people may say there's a, a certain immorality to it if you really want to go to the nth degree, but it's football and intelligence. That's all it is. You know, call it snide, vindictive, whatever. It's fucking smart. It's the smart thing to do. So do it. And it's small margins and like that, that when you football matches and ultimately win your titles. And Johnny and I were talking earlier on that the, Goal that nearly was against Bournemouth that would have made it 4-1 where the goal line technology showed it was literally half an inch from cross of the line. You know, if we go on and win that game, where are we now? I, I, I don't know. Um, so it's the small details like that can be the difference and we need to be smarter around the small details such as those little things because that's something that's been missing as well. Yeah, no, I hear you, and a certain degree of cynicism never, never goes amiss. I mean, you, you, you don't want to be a Tony Pulis side, uh, but at the same time, yeah, you're right. A bit of football intelligence is, is, uh, what's called for at times, and there are times where you're just screaming, you know, bring him down. <laughs> and, totally. Uh, you know, it, it had to be done. It's part of the game, you know, it is part of the game, and if you, We've seen it so many times with Liverpool, though. How many times have you seen players just run, uh, being allowed to run all the way through to the penalty area? 
Yeah, and you're just thinking, true. tackle them on the halfway line. Get Even if you foul them, it doesn't matter. They get a free kick. Then Nothing should really come of that free kick that far back anyway. But they let them run and run and run, either concede a free kick outside the penalty area or it's gold. Or it's, you know, it's the danger area and they panic and you know, then you know what happens after that. But yeah, they, they need to start cut, cutting out danger earlier because like, um, Dave said, they, they don't seem to do that and they just, it's like they're too nice. <laughs> they don't want to foul anybody. Yeah. Oh no, I can't foul him. I might hurt his feelings or something. I don't know what it is, but, um, yeah, well, they some, need they need to start doing more of it. Whatever some, it is, they need to start doing. Sometimes think you know, clip the heels or whatever. I mean, there was yeah one earlier in the seasons. I, I remember. I can't remember the game, but when Alden was the only player close to whoever was running through, and just he just needed to clip his heels on halfway. It would have been would have been a certain yellow, and it was cynical as anything. But it uh, it would have stopped the goal, and we really didn't want to concede that goal because I think it, it ended the game for us. But um, but yeah, we did see a bit of that at the weekend. We did see a bit of that in, in Emery Chan and, and a couple of others. Uh, so I just wanted to really ask, does anyone have any word on, on Henderson's situation? Do we know if, if he's likely to be back at all this weekend or? Anyone got an update at all or knows I don't, what the... I haven't seen him in any training pictures or anything. No, I've heard it's been really quiet on the Henderson front, hasn't it? Which mm. is strange and concerning. Mm. Well, for for me, anyway. <laughs> Good news for you all that Lovren's back, though. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, to, to be fair, I don't, I don't like the guy, uh, not in terms of personality. I don't really know him. <laughs> but I don't like the guy's footballing ability. But to be fair, him and Matip have been all right. And we'll see what, what happens, whether Matip, uh, whether Lovren comes straight back in. I assume he will. But um, I thought Clavin deserves a mention. I know you, you gave him a shout earlier rooms, I think. Um, yeah. But I thought he had a, a really good game. And mm. in comparison to how we were at the back against Leicester, I thought we were, yeah, we were much, much better against Arsenal. Uh, obviously there are other factors involved in that, but yeah, uh, Ragnar deserves a, a wee shout. Um, okay. So, so yeah, Burnley, uh, it's the big one. It's the one we've all been waiting for. And actually, you know, it's a bit tongue in cheek, but actually it is because this is the one where if we win it, you probably say, okay, now we can really have a push at this last stretch of games. Um, I did mention earlier that FA Cups at the weekend, so Arsenal are involved in that, Spurs are involved in that, and City are involved in that. So uh, And United and Chelsea. Yeah, there you go. So all the teams around us, in fact, the the entire top five of the five of the top six. Are, are we going on that. a train? We're we going on another trip abroad, aren't we? Apparently they're going I would away say again. So during the international break, probably yes. yeah. Yeah, I think we're going. Well, we all know to, what happened it, last it, time. <laughs> I, well, do you know what? It's, it's it's a point here. Um, I think it's Marbella they're going to. But I wonder now after after that game, you know, was Leicester a bit was Leicester a bit too soon for them? Some people have mentioned that because it was sixteen days. But I wonder, are we now going to see after Saturday the benefit of that? Of that 16-day session that they had out there, or, or however long they were out there and whatever they did. I hope so, because it was here. on the last pod with you that you got my hopes up by having a long break and a pre-season and all the talk you gave. Yeah, yeah. And, and it yeah, seemed so plausible. <laughs> yeah, it was you two, yeah. It made so much sense at the time, but then I was people, like, oh, people, did, people did mention that maybe that maybe that first game back was just it was just too soon and we just didn't have that sharpness and it was you know, just, just a bunch and, of bastards anyway. So. Well yeah. And and obviously, you know, you, you got them at the time where they had such a spring in their step, that's another thing. But I, I'm just 
I just wonder now, will we start to see the benefit and the payoff of that? Oh, I, I hope so. I, I hope yeah. so. But again, we, we've talked about the lack of logic that applies to Liverpool Football Club in general at the minute. So might might just disregard that last statement. But I would imagine, I imagine we will at some point see see the benefit of that, and you know these things often take a few weeks to you know show up. Maybe we'll see from some of the other clubs around us a bit of fatigue from um, multiple competitions, or perhaps even a slight. Um, a uh, bit of uncertainty over priorities for, as far as Man, Man United are concerned perhaps uh, you never know this this Ibrahimovic ban could be interesting as well but uh, going back to the fact that we're playing the weekend at home we've got the third best home record we're playing against the team with the worst away record the five clubs around us are all uh, otherwise occupied and therefore not able to pick up any points so I'm going to come to you for predictions are we going to win this game and pick, make make up points on who we need to make up points on and pull away from other teams? Uh, so what, how do you see it going? What kind of a score line, Johnny? I'm going to go two 0 I, nice. I think I think I think we will win. I think two 0 I'd love to say four or five because it should be fucking four or five because they are shite. But I'm two 0 Nice, good, solid two 0 I like it. Yeah, why not? That, that would do rightly. To be honest, how do you see it going then, Dave? I'm going to say four. Going for four because I just think that we're in a bit of a groove and they'll give us a lot of the ball. And I just, I don't, I don't know how much they really enjoy playing away from home. I can't imagine it's very much. And if we make it really hard for them early on and wear them down, then maybe they'll just decide that it's just too much hassle and too much hard work so hopefully 4-0 and some goals from various different areas of the pitch would also be nice yeah well it would be lovely to get a big win I mean Mario you mentioned it earlier you know to put some goals on well win win convincingly win in style although anyone would do as you also mentioned but yeah I would love to see us um, cut loose a bit and, and really play well would be warming, shall we say? Would be really encouraging for the rest of the season. And I think you're right about Burnley. Uh, I was a bit worried when I saw, uh, was watching the scores at the weekend, and I saw they were ahead against Swansea. I was thinking, fuck's sake, it would just be typical if they got their first away win of the season the week before they they came to Anfield. But to have it so kind of cruelly ripped away from them in the last, well, in, in injury time, must have been a sickener. Uh, they've gone all the way to Wales there and come back with fuck all. So hopefully, um, as you say, David, um, an early goal or uh, a good a good opening fifteen minutes could signal um, maybe a throwing in of the towel from Burnley. Well, not in terms of of effort, but yeah, it could be a long day for them. So that would be that would be nice. How do you see it then, Ums? Do you know how horribly wrong I was the last time I made a prediction? <laughs> A complete opposite. Um, are they missing their goalkeeper still? Because I remember he was out last week. He was. Peaking, just, say, just say 5-0 Burnley and be done with it. <laughs> Do everybody a favour. Whoever comes in is going to obviously have a, have a blinder against us. But yeah. um, I don't know. I'm going to say 2-1 because we always give one away, don't we? Okay. And that's me just like, I don't even have any clue. That's I'm just guessing. <laughs> 
Well, I mean, predictions are guesses at the end of the day. You know, so we like to think they're informed, but you know, we're all we're all wrong more much more often than we are right. Yeah, I'm not sure about Heaton. I'm just checking the old fancy football, and he's he's got yeah. that, that yellow thing on him, so he's seventy five percent chance of playing the save. But oh, okay. Paul Robinson last week was absolutely awful for them. He was nowhere. Swansea could have had six in the first half, and that's not really an exaggeration. Because they had they had one, and they hit the post and bar three times between them, and then uh, they also had one which had beaten Robinson and was cleared off the line by Ben Me, I think. Anyway, somebody cleared it off the line. So if they were missing Heaton, that would be a big that would be a big bonus for us because he is very very important for them. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, I see us. Yeah, I think conceding one might be a bad shot. That may happen, but I can see us winning as well. And I'm going to go four-one. I got lucky with my last prediction. I was actually right. I think that's the first time that's ever happened. I said three-one for Arsenal. So we'll go for two in a row, four-one, um, and a and a convincing win. We just need a fucking run of games, don't we? We just yeah. need back we just to need back to be nice at this point. We, yeah, we just need <laughs> to put two and then three results together. I think it's, three, the, the, it's the second one that's the most difficult. We have, isn't it? Yeah, you need to put that second one in. If I think if we can beat Burnley, we're on a real. We're in a really like good an unbeaten way. run. Uh, sorry, a winning run for two games in a row. Yeah, well, you've wow. got that two games, and then you're away at City. So it's a huge game. You're not expected to win anyway. You've done really well. You, you, you could easily win it. You could easily get a draw. And then we were talking about our running after that. Like, I mean, yeah. Do you know what? I think the thing is, see if we go out and do win 4 0 or 4 1, it just changes the whole complexion of everything from the media's perspective. Boogie's perspective, fans' perspective, and then the players' perspective, and the confidence it brings, and the the expectation and good feel factor it, it puts back inside the stadium instead of this fucking anxiety that, that yeah. can creep in at the minute. It you can shut people have, up for a week at least, wouldn't it? It can just have a huge difference. So you know, let's just hope that that is what it is, and, and maybe that can signal a bit of a fucking resurgence. Yeah, well, I mean, that's it, because um, it's all about the narrative, isn't it? I mean, we're still fourth. We're, we've had a really good season. We've done really well with a group of players who weren't necessarily that confident of at the beginning of the season. Some were more confident than others, but there's certainly question marks over them. We've performed unbelievably well in the first half of the season, and then we've had a, you know, a rocky six weeks. There's no getting away from that, but... You beat Burnley at home, you're sitting on two wins on the bounce, you're in third place ahead of City, going into the international break, and, you know, things are rosy. You know, you've pulled five points. If, if we win that game, we're five points clear of Arsenal, six points clear of United, and we'll be level on points with City with a, with a better goal difference going into the international break. And and all of a sudden, the narrative, things are looking up. People are talking about, you know, the the gap between us and United. People are talking about... Maybe Europa League games getting in the way there, and Champions League games, Manchester City are playing Monaco, and you know everything sort of gets brought up again and regurgitated, and they have different things to think about, and all we have to do is just keep winning games. Lose against Burnley, and the whole thing goes to shit again. We need to get we need to get Devlin on here. You're being far too fucking positive there. Well, the thing is, Johnny, you know, he is right though. If you can go out and beat Burnley, United, I don't give a. Fuck what anybody say. They're no good. They can't 
dominate teams the way they used to. And it just shows by the, again, this record, oh, they're unbeaten the nine, they fucking drew five of them. So, you know, and, you know, they drew again on Saturday, even though the referee contrived to do everything he possibly could to give them the fucking three points. Ibrahimovic suspended. I think that's going to be a big factor. And then Arsenal are in a complete funk right now. They, the wheels are off, I think. And then the whole Sanchez fiasco that's going to be created after tonight is just going to make things 10 times worse. So we've got a real opportunity here. And if we can take it, this could, this could start to create a bit of a gap and a little bit of breathing space between those two sides. I do, I do agree with what you're saying there, Dave. I think the scale of what's happening in Arsenal now, I don't think we've foreseen it. And I know, Dave, when we, we were speaking, you know, before about, about Arsenal, we always said about Arsenal, the one thing you can rely on with Arsenal, it's like death taxes and Arsenal will fucking finish in the top four. You know, they always just seem to pull it together when it mattered against and, and beat the dross. But there's a vulnerability there that really hasn't been there before under Wenger, and it's been exacerbated by that tonight, and Sanchez, so I I think, you know, I was being a wee bit tongue-in-cheek when I was talking about, <laughs> when I was talking about Devlin, and then some of the criticisms he's had, and a lot of it is justified, you know, he just feels we need to be setting our, our bar far higher, and getting business done properly in, in the transfer market, but there's no doubt, I don't think United are anything special either, I know some United fans are getting cocky, they've won a trophy and, you know, they're still in all the, you know, the cup competitions, but there are no great shakes. You've seen it against Bournemouth of the amount of goals, the, the amount of lucky goals that they've, they've had that have been offside, the amount of goals that should have been counted against them that weren't. Um, it's a 17 you know, goals swing, like, isn't it? It's, it's I know, like and I don't even nine. know. I've never really, I've, I've seen that figure of 17, nine, four, eight against yeah. the, it wouldn't surprise me. There just seems to have been a lot of them, but that I'd love to fact check that almost like you would a, a Donald Trump statement and see yeah, if it's see, actually yeah, because if that's actually, if it's, actually true, that's a fucking mad. It's it's, it's mind blowing. Ex- explain away, really, like isn't it? It's mind blowing if that, you know if all that's accurate. But they're 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 not a great side at all. They they were rubbish again at the weekend. They never look as Dave says. They don't look like. The dominant United side, they don't look like they can cut teams to smithereens anymore. They're very, very reliant on, as I see it, two, two players in their last years. I mean, they're very reliant on Ibrahimovic. They really miss Carrick when he's not there and they're like their elder statesmen. They have a lot of work to do, United. And there's no doubt for everything. And I mean, I, I was confident that we'd be able to sustain a title challenge. So I've been devastated by what's happened in the last sort of 68 weeks, but. There's no doubt about it. Arsenal, what's happening there is not something we've seen under Wenger, and United are no great shakes. So it is a big game. It is a big game at the weekend, and I know it's only Burnley, but get the three points, you've got a bit of daylight, and neither of those teams at the minute look like they would, they're going to be tearing up any trees to catch us. So it is an opportunity, certainly. It would be nice to put some points on the board and put a bit of daylight between us and, and those couple of teams, Arsenal and United, and um, they would have games in hand, of course, but at the same time, you want the points on the board. They they would still have to win the games, and with their situations, United not being so great and having the the Europa League to think about, and 
The Arsenal thing, as you touched on, Johnny, I think that's, that's actually turning really toxic. Uh, there was a march tonight. I just saw they were showing it on BT Sport there after the game. An actual Wenger out march outside the, the stadium, the Emirates in, in London and so on. So, yeah, all sorts going on there. So, a nice wee win against Burnley would set things up very interestingly going into the international break. Okay, so we'll probably wrap it up there then for tonight. Uh, this has been the Copcast podcast on Cop Left. And uh, just before we go, I would like to uh, thank my uh, guests here. Uh, so thanks very much, uh, Dave, Umara and Johnny. It's uh, been a pleasure as always. And uh, so anything to plug or uh, anywhere where people can find you, Twitter or whatever that is. So Umara? Uh, not really much to plug, really. So. You have done a match review this week? I did, yeah, yeah. The standard, isn't it? <laughs> Number one, the Mara standard, yeah. I was on another pod. Am I allowed to plug another pod? Yeah, yeah. What, what <laughs> one was it? Oh, the podcasting couch with Nish. Uh, they, it's a nice, like an Australian-based pod, so uh, Liverpool pod. So they were really good. They invited me along, me and Aaron. I think you might know him as the bony one. And, oh, yeah. uh uh-huh. Andy from the day trippers were on that one, so that was quite good. Yeah, nice have one. a listen to that if you have time. But that was before. What was it before the Leicester match? Yeah, it was before the Leicester match. So actually, listening back, it I had to listen back after the game. It was quite hilarious because we were our predictions were completely wrong and we had completely barking up the wrong tree. It's quite funny when you listen back afterwards, actually. <laughs> so yeah, if you have so, spare. So you want to hear Umar embarrass yourself by making <laughs> false. Ridiculous predictions. Then go and yep. go and check that one out. Mm. <laughs> Wonderful. Okay. And what about what about you, Johnny? Anything at the moment, uh, or where can I find you on Twitter? Yeah, nothing, nothing at the moment. Other than the usual Twitter handle is at Tubin Lads. So yeah, give us a wee follow, and I'll follow back as well. Excellent, excellent. And Dave, you plugging anything interesting this week? Well, I'll plug. I'll plug Umara's match reports if she's not going to do it herself. So um, give those a read um, because they are they, they are very good. It doesn't have the say? same effect if you plug them yourself, you see. So just sounds like I'm blowing my own trumpet. <laughs> well, you rightly should. You're very <laughs> talented. So yes, go and check those out. Uh, I'm going to plug um, directly to Tom Hardy here for season two of Taboo. Please and thank you very much. And hurry up, please. <laughs> yes, can, hurry up. Can, hurry can up. I just use Netflix <laughs> next time so they all go on at once? <laughs> One thing we better make sure we we plug is WFI, mm-hmm. uh, their Copa Libertadores, which I know Dave Karn since he's moved out to Brazil, he absolutely loves it. Great competition, but there's uh, a podcast on that because I think the group stages are starting. So. World Football Index, get on that and give that a follow if you want to enhance your knowledge of the beautiful game worldwide. Fine podcast. So that's that's just about it then for this week's edition of Copcast on Cop Left. Uh, a much, well, I suppose a much cheerier episode, but plenty of questioning as well. So uh, after a fantastic performance, I'd just like to thank you, the listener, for taking the time to, to listen and uh, just say yeah cheerio we'll be back next week